3: 9397, or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357, or email us at talk at wws.com. Now, here's your host, Brian Barnhart.
0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a penny for your thoughts here on this Friday. We made it to the end of the week here in the first week of May. We're at uh, Friday, May 6th of the year 2022 and uh, still looking for those warm temperatures. And I think we're finally going to see them. The uh, rain is supposed to move out of here, headed for a high of 56 today, 68 tomorrow, 81 on Monday, 68 on Sunday. So we go, uh, what, 56, 68, 68, 81, 90 in the next five days or so. So it'll get warm up in a hurry. Glad you're with us, however, wherever you might be listening today. We've got a full two hours today. We're going to start in this first hour here after the break. Uh, Steve Beckett will join us, of course, local attorney. Everybody, I think, knows Steve and all he's uh, done, and he's been on the radio many, many times, and uh, we always appreciate his insight on legal matters. And uh, since he is someone who has argued before the Supreme Court a couple of times, I thought, well, there's nobody better to kind of uh, walk us through What's happened this week with the Supreme Court leak, uh, Roe versus Wade, what it means, how the original Roe versus Wade came into being 50 years ago, how did we get to this point legally, uh, legally in history, etc., etc. So uh, we'll talk to Steve uh, here coming up in the next hour. And uh, if you have some comments along the way or thoughts you want to throw in, two cents worth, of course, that's the name of the show, right? Penny for your thoughts. A cent or two, you can certainly uh, throw those in the uh, mix here this morning. Second hour, and open line. We'll just have some fun heading into a busy weekend, a Mother's Day weekend coming up. You've got the Kentucky Derby first Saturday in May, that race tomorrow. Uh, You've got, um, what, the Little Mermaid this weekend. Kiwanis Tom Jones Challenger League starts this weekend. Earth, Wind, and Fire is tonight. So we're gearing up for a a busy, busy weekend. Lots to talk about in the second hour. We'll get to that uh, along the way. And we had uh, quite a stir in our own building uh, talking about millennials, those born in the 80s and 90s, and some of the things that those folks do that are born then that they don't do anymore or do very little of that people in my generation, for instance, and older would have just done every day or taken for granted. So there's some more of that, too. There's a whole list I've got, so i have some more fun with that. But to open line the second hour, we'll dig into the Supreme Court and all that happened this week with uh, local attorney J. Stephen Beckett next on a penny for your thoughts all right back on a penny for your thoughts here on this friday busy weekend ahead if you need a home moved or you're looking for a home ryan dallas real estate they've served uh, well last count it was more than 250 uh, probably a little higher now we need to update our copy here the um, team of professionals at ryan dallas real estate working hard to meet the demands of buyers right now and they've got several success stories but Number one in client satisfaction, new home buyer said they provided us with personal attention and service that far exceeded our expectations. Their listen to my needs and desires made me believe my best interest was at heart. There's just a couple of testimonials. Uh, number one in client satisfaction, the home in Champagne sold before it hit the market. Home and Mohammed sold above the list price in just days. The list goes on and on. Give them a call, 833-595-SOLD to go to Ryan Dallas. R-E dot com. We'll have an open line in the second hour. Our friend Steve Beckett is with us. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. It's keeping good. you busy these days. Oh, I, yeah. I I'm saw just... your name in the paper today. Yeah, so. well, <laughs> comes with the territory. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Family good? Yes. Yeah? Yes, we're doing well. My uh, my,
1: my son, Chad, uh, just drove out to Boston to get my oldest grandson who goes to school out there to bring him home for summer. He's a oh. freshman at the Berklee College of Music. Really?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds good. And, yeah, I don't uh, know where I don't know where he got the talent. It's, <laughs> okay. It didn't come from my side. And your Cubs are doing okay. Uh, my Cubs. I'm a Dodger fan. Oh, you're a Dodger fan. Uh, yes, Who, well, you just hang with Casey. I, I, I do. Okay. I, I got I'm you a, and Casey mixed I'm a, up. I'm a Cubs supporter. That's right. Because you've been in those Cub parade. Yes. Things, right? That's I, where, I, where have, I got mixed up. Yes. Yeah. It,
1: often I've often
0: driven the truck.
1: Yeah. Well, the Dodgers <laughs> are doing fine. Oh, yes,
0: they are. They if you spend enough money. Yeah. <laughs> the Reds are terrible. Yeah. I can't believe how bad the Reds are. It's, I how can't could a, believe it. How can a major league team be three and twenty-two? No, nope. no, nope. that's impossible. Nope. well, they'll go right. on a streak and they'll win twenty yeah. in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Make liars out of us. Well, it's good to see you. And uh, I want—I couldn't think of anybody else I know that's uh, actually uh, been in front of the Supreme Court. So I thought, as a student of the court and somebody that understands the Supreme Court, I thought I'd sure. have you on. So sure. uh, just give me your thoughts initially when you heard this happened. Well, Malik, what went through your mind? I guess. Uh,
1: uh, obviously, there are two aspects to it. So mm-hmm. the the first thoughts that I had were substantive about what the court was doing and overruling a, a a precedent of about mm-hmm. fifty years, and so that that's always uh, that's always tr- troubling, intellectually troubling, uh, as a lawyer troubling, and then depending on your point of view in life, you know, it could mm-hmm. be troubling for your personal point of view too. But then the second part of it is, of course, is how in the world does this happened, mm-hmm. because. Uh, The confidentiality of the Supreme Court is extremely uh, important. You have to be able to have a process where the justices can do back and forth. Anybody who has seen the – there was an HBO movie about Muhammad Ali and about the decision in his case because the first vote in uh, Muhammad Ali's case before the United States Supreme Court was to affirm the lower court conviction, which would have been the end of the world for Muhammad Ali – but the person who was assigned the opinion, I can't remember which one, which justice it was, um, began to write the opinion and his law clerk weighed in with him and he and his law clerk then decided that he was going to change his vote and so he drafted an opinion that would, uh, reverse it. And so then we get to see in the movie the conference. And I guess people need to understand. So you have oral argument for yeah. before the United uh, yeah. States Supreme Court. Yeah. And the case is submitted to the justices following the oral argument for decision. They meet on the Friday of the week of that oral argument, and they do a preliminary vote. And in the conference, then the chief justice gets to speak first, and then the justices by seniority, which would be the time that they were appointed, get to speak all the way around the table mm-hmm. uh, to the most junior ju- justice and then they take a preliminary vote. Uh, and so what uh, kind of a side note, it's interesting about that because of the case that I argued. Because mm-hmm. I, re- I didn't realize that at the time. I learned this from a book called The Brethren, uh, okay. which was written in the mid-1970s, back when the court was all male. Um, is that during oral argument, oftentimes, the justice who asks the most questions and is the you know is the hottest seat on the bench is the junior justice, and the junior justice does that because he or she gets to argue last in the conference on Friday. Yeah. Okay, and so by doing that, they can communicate to their fellow justices what their position is about the case, what's troubling them mm-hmm. about the case, even before the conference. So I thought that was kind of neat because yeah. in um, in my case. Um my goodness gracious and what this would have been when probably my my case was 1977. Uh, uh, 77, 77. Uh, yeah okay. and uh, so the, the you know my brain it's too bad I'm getting <laughs> old the junior justice at uh at the time was a guy from Chicago for god's sake I, I, yeah. I can't believe I can't remember his name but anyway uh he, he was he he was very active in it it'll come to me as we're talking okay. later on yeah. 5 minutes from yeah. now so anyway um so now the case has been uh, there's a vote, and it's, there are nine justices, and so unless it's a 4-4, four, four, which creates real problems, mm-hmm. but if it's a 5-4, 6-3, 7-2, if the chief justice is in the majority, the chief justice either assigns the opinion to himself or mm-hmm. herself, because we haven't had a female uh, chief justice yet, Right. Stevens. John Paul Stevens. That's it, it. okay. Yeah, my brain. <laughs> See how your brain Delight, works? I know, when I you understand. get to be my age, when know, you? No, John Paul I Stevens. Yeah. So uh, he assigns it to himself or he assigns it to another member of the court in the majority. And if he's not in the majority, then the senior justice gets to assign the opinion. So in our present court, of course, John Roberts is not the senior justice. I think Clarence Thomas is. Or, mm-hmm. or maybe, uh, is Breyer still there? Maybe Breyer is. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he, Breyer wouldn't be in the majority right. of this. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Thomas would then assign the opinion. And so apparently in this case, uh, he assigned the opinion to Alito. Mm-hmm. And then of course, that, that judge's responsibility is to create the court's opinion, what could be the court's opinion yeah. and have that circulated in the chambers of the other justices. But of course, this is hush hush completely confidential. Nobody else in the world are is to see these opinions because just look at that case about Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. The the first opinion written was not did not end up being the opinion of the court and the result of of the first opinion was completely changed uh and so you know that that could happen in this case in this case too and if you look at the the history of the uh, abortion decisions the or, or as other people call it reproductive rights uh opinions um you see that there've been some close votes and that sort of thing and it goes all the way you know all the way back to oh, roe sure. versus wade which by the way that case was decided in january of my senior year in law school is that
0: right yeah yeah so When Alito has the draft opinion, where in the process, the assembly line, would they be? That that would just be,
1: that's the first step. That's just the the first step. Yeah.
0: So now that opinion has been
1: circulated and now it's typically done in writing between each other, memos or now emails, probably. It's all electronic now, uh, between the justices. Now, Mm -hmm. I, I would assume that the minority has also caucused before this opinion has come and trying to anticipate what's going to happen so their law clerks can do research and help them with draft opinions and that sort of thing. Because Mm -hmm. now the the dissenters or the 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 people who didn't join in the initial ruling who may have been on the fence, Mm -hmm. they have an opportunity to weigh in. And so somebody might say, for instance, I'll join your opinion if you modify it and do this. Mm -hmm. Somebody else might say... I don't like the opinion, you know, you're moving me away, I may go to the other side. You can have could have that kind of give and take over mm-hmm. the period of time. Let's remember this particular opinion is drafted in February. I wouldn't be, have been surprised or be surprised if this is an opinion that isn't released on the very last day of the court's term, which yeah. is
0: sometimes, you know, like June 25th. Right, because you'll see as that last week of June comes, the that's, really big cases are when they come out. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct.
1: I remember I was yeah. teaching summer school. Um, When the uh, Obamacare uh, case was uh, decided and uh, one of the students was on his computer and just said out loud to the class, uh, they just affirmed Obamacare. And so we stopped for a moment and I said, okay, tell me what it says. You know, and it was mm-hmm. Judge Roberts, and he decided on the basis of the taxing powers of Congress. Mm-hmm. So we had a real nice discussion about the yeah. Supreme Court, and
0: you know, the, and the way things can happen. Mm. Steve Beckett is with us. If you have any questions or thoughts along the way, two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Text line is two one seven three five one five three five seven, and you can email us talk at wdws dot com. So, any guess as to who? I mean, somebody inside the building leaked it. You think, look, right? I mean, I think would there, it be a clerk, or right. would it be a? Sure,
1: I think there are there are three, there are three schools of thought. So, first of all, let's look at this a little historically. Yeah. Um, do you know that Chief Justice Rod, Roger Roger Tawney uh, told incoming President James Buchanan about the result in the Dred Scott case before it was announced? So. It isn't like this has never happened. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And then I heard you earlier on on the radio talking uh, when Roe versus Wade was announced, Justice Blackman, who wrote the opinion, his clerk released the opinion to a reporter for Time Magazine with the reporter's promise that no story would be run until the opinion was released. And then there was a delay in the release of the opinion- and so a week prior to it being released, here's Times that has an article about the opinion. Right. And um the 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 clerk uh was not prosecuted, and as a matter of fact, Judge uh Justice Blackman refused to accept his resignation because he said it was the reporter's fault because the reporter promised him it would have been. the reporter mm, yeah. went back mm. on it on his word. Yeah. Okay, so um the the three schools of thought. So one school of thought is it's from the chambers uh Directly or indirectly of a dissenting justice who doesn't, you know, who obviously doesn't support the opinion. Mm -hmm. Second school of thought is it's from the chambers of a conservative justice, uh, who thinks that the opinion went too far and wants the, wants Alito and those who would support Alito to see what the public reaction would be to an opinion of that Mm -hmm. type. And the third kind of potential, uh, suspect, I guess if you want to call it, would be uh, a clerk or staff member who saw the opinion and it was against their personal predilection and they just felt you know, that it needed to be released. And I suppose there's a fourth one. Somebody said, I can
0: make some money on this. I don't know. I, I don't know about that. I'm just trying to figure out the actual mechanics of taking what's supposed to be a secret email or secret communication and then you just farm it out to somebody. I mean, I'm right. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think about how that works. Well,
1: but. you know, um, yeah. you're in the media business yeah. and the folks uh, on the other side of this building know that uh, they have sources um, that give them uh, information without identifying the source that they're able to corroborate in other ways, right. but they get the lead they oftentimes get the lead on a story. From someone who's not quoted in the paper, and then you know that right. that, that ends up, and so yeah. it it, could it, be can that happen. Same. it can't not,
0: happen. It's just not. It's just in this with this serious a case in this August of uh, setting with the Supreme Court. It's just shocking. I guess. Of course. Yeah. I mean that's that's just. I think that stuns everybody. Yeah. Of course. I mean it's like that's not supposed to happen. 217 three five six nine three nine seven We got uh, Craig on the line here. I think he's kind of asking the same question. Hi, Craig. Oh, good morning. Hi. Yeah, go good ahead. Morning.
4: Good morning. How are you today? Good. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you today?
1: I'm good. Good morning.
4: That's your buddy, Craig W. Okay. So, I've been watching this unfold, and I thought you hit a great point, and that leads to who might have leaked it, and that is that. This opinion was written in February, and we're now in May. And as you indicated, it's likely that there's been some lobbying and, uh, discussions with Roberts and some of the conservative judges to try to water it down. As you, as you may know, Roberts does not want to overturn Roe. And so you ask yourself, who had the motive? Who had the opportunity? And I've narrowed it down to Jenny Thomas, uh, primarily a because if you want that opinion to hold in February, you release it now to put the pressure on the conservative judges to
1: not change and to, to not bend to stand their ground. And then, pardon to stand their ground. That's what you exactly right. Whoever the under your theory. The the, to
4: the, that. Jenny had text messages released last week. That were highlight of news, basically showing she was heavily involved in the January sixth insurrection, uh, as, as well as trying to overturn the election immediately after the election. Text messages she had to Mark Meadows. So it was a combination of a, getting people to stand your ground, and b, knocking Jenny Thompson, uh Jenny Thomas's, uh, text messages out of the news.
1: Well, and- to, to play devil's advocate, it's equally possible that uh, Justice Sotomayor, uh, who would uh, strongly reject and who who ask scathing questions during oral argument in this case, wants the full fury of America to come down on a majority opinion that overrules Roe versus Wade. So I think that's just as plausible as your theory.
4: Hmm. You well know, I, I agree with that. Uh although I think the fury is what will harden Hmm. Harden the conservative core. I mean, you know, it's they're very comfortable in knowing that they what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish, and they know that you know Hmm. a substantial portion of the uh, America is against it. But I just wanted to throw that out there. I think it's a very uh, I think the leak is kind of irrelevant. Uh, I thought it was good you brought out the uh, Justice Blackman situation.
1: Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, I have very interesting. It's a Brian, It's Brian's show, but um, I had a friend who, uh, who was a former federal prosecutor who pointed out to me 18 United States Code Section 641, pu- public money, property, or records, whoever without authority conveys, disposes, or converts um, anything of value of the United States or any department or thereof, uh, or receives or conceals the same with the intent to convert it to his own use, commits a felony. Mm-hmm. So right. there's...
4: No, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I had one last question to get your perspective on the, the opinion, and I've read it pretty carefully, um, cited, had citations from Sir Matthew Hale, uh, basically in common law England, 17th century. He had uh, written the opinion, basically, that outlawed uh, abortion back then uh, at, I believe it was 16th week. Um, and then, but he was also the individual who authored the legitimacy of marital rape, which was mm. enshrined into common law in England and actually followed over here to, uh, America. And do you take any, um, guidance from the fact that they would, that Alito would cite Sir Matthew Hale, who wrote an opinion basically justifying rape by a husband in this case?
0: Mm. Uh, okay. Hey, thank you, Craig. We'll let Steve answer that. Go ahead, Well, obviously, that would
1: be, that would be troubling. Um, Alito would point to Justice Blackman, who went all the way back to ancient Persia and, and tracked the history of abortion and abortion laws and regulations Mm -hmm. all the way up to 1973. So, I suppose if you're looking for a way to justify your opinion, you go to whatever source you possibly can. Mm Realizing that uh, ultimately somebody's going to criticize you and find you know some reason, uh, uh, obviously uh, in our country uh, and probably around the world, uh, women were not recognized as equal human beings uh, and were treated almost as chattel uh, property uh, back in the Middle Ages
0: all the way yeah. up, up through couldn't the, even vote until what nineteen right. whatever
1: 20, right 20. well the I think the Civil War amendments. Mm-hmm. started the movement yeah. uh, for equal rights for women, particularly in, in suffrage. And that was 1920. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. we didn't have women on juries until the 1930s. Yeah, and so, uh,
0: yeah. a lot of change. All right, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to talk to Steve a little bit about the, the original Roe versus Wade ruling and how they reached that decision because there's a lot of talk about, well, is that bad law or what do they force something through? Or the 14th Amendment I think comes into play on that, and you can explain that a little bit. Back in a moment. All right, our uh, news this hour is brought to you by First Mid Bank & Trust, providing financial solutions since 1865. Visit firstmid.com to find out more. More with attorney Steve Beckett. We could probably spend three hours on this, but we only got a half hour left, so we'll uh, hit what we can. Here's CBS with the latest, Wall Street jobs and all of that. All right, back on a penny for your thoughts. Nine thirty-five here on this Friday. Pleased to have Steve uh, Beckett with us here. Of course, well-known attorney in town has uh, argued a couple of times in front of the Supreme Court. You were telling me the justices—you yes. had them all memorized. Well, I just—I yeah. read just to show you that I still
1: do have a I have a memory. Yeah, and I said so. I had uh, Berger, White, Blackman, Powell, Brennan, uh, Stewart uh John Paul uh Stevens mm-hmm. and you now I I I probably left somebody out because no, they were That's nine, an impressive list. Yeah. Those are all
0: Yeah. Those are all big names. All right, so Roe versus Wade decided 50 years ago. Um and again we could spend a lot of time on this, but give me the elevator version I guess of how it became the law of the land if you will through okay. the Supreme Court because it went through the 14th Amendment, right? Is well, that Well, it's, is that it's actually of?
1: there there there's a dual basis okay. for it. Okay but uh if you don't have the civil rights amendments the 13th 14th and 15th amendments of the United States then uh, the relationship in terms of individual rights and our state governments would have been dramatically different mm-hmm. because let's remember the constitution is about the federal government and the bill of rights is about our rights individually mm-hmm. vis-a-vis the federal government not the not the state governments and so our rights were defined before the Civil Rights Amendments of, uh, or the Civil War Amendments right. were defined by our state constitutions. So then you get the the Civil War Amendments, and particularly the Fourteenth Amendment, which basically says that no person uh, can be deprived of life, liber- liberty, or property uh, without due process of law under color of state law. So um, if a if a state sought to, uh, for example, conduct an illegal search and seizure coming into your home to mm-hmm. seize property without a search warrant. Uh, before that amendment, there was nothing, uh, the federal co- the federal constitution had to say about it. Okay. Because mm-hmm. okay. it was the state authority, not the federal authority. And so eventually over time, the U.S. Supreme Court applied certain principles from the Bill of Rights To the states. So that in Matt versus Ohio, for example, using the exclusionary rule, if, uh, state officers came into your home and, and seized property without a warrant, that property could be suppressed and not used against you in a criminal trial. That's just an, just an example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the question of what is liberty then, um, became, came to the forefront. And starting in the late 1920s, uh, the 1930s and 40s, more and more and more, we're seeing the U.S. Supreme Court adopt uh, various provisions of the Bill of Rights and then go beyond the precise words of the Bill of Rights to focus on that word liberty and also a concept under the Ninth Amendment uh, of the uh, Constitution of the United States. There are ten amendments that are the Bill of Rights. Sure. The, ninth, the Ninth Amendment basically says, even though we haven't said all of the rights that exist for us as natural human beings, we have other rights, and those rights are going to be protected as well. So using that concept of liberty under the 14th Amendment and the what they call the penumbra, mm-hmm. the, the Ninth Amendment of, right. the, uh, of the of the Bill of Rights, the court has fashioned out some areas that are fundamental and that no state, no federal government should be able to undermine those rights. And so, for example, marriage. Um, Loving versus Virginia, marriage between races, um, birth control, uh, Griswold versus uh, Connecticut—that was a big one in the '60s, right? right? Like yeah. 1965. Yeah, and yeah. so these things are uh, advancing, and now we get to 1973, and Roe versus Wade comes before the United States Supreme Court, and it's a 7-2 decision. This is not a close one, you know. Right. This is not mm-hmm. a five-four. It just depends on some justice coming off. This is and this is this is not the Warren court this is the Burger court hmm. that's what's so fascinating about this uh, uh decision and Warren Burger is in the majority you know and he's not exactly a you know a flaming liberal like people I talk about <laughs> and yeah. it's a really interesting uh, opinion to read it's very lengthy and basically blackman um Traces the history of abortion and abortion regulation, as I said, all the way from Persia up to to 1973 and the state laws. And he basically uh, looks at the reproductive cycle and looks at trimesters. And as it turns out, most of the regulation and criminalization of abortion um, had to do with the aborting of a fetus that was viable, uh, what, the word they used in the, in the common law was quickened. Quickened. Was, mm. was the fetus, you know, was it quickened? Was it, was it able to be alive, you know, on its own, on, on its, its own? own. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And, and so th- that's where the trimester part came. So in the first trimester, um, it's a, it's a decision of the woman and her doctor. Okay. In the second trimester under Roe versus Wade, then the state can impose some form of procedural Regulations on how these abortions occur, uh, but under no circumstance like rape and incest and the health of the woman, that can't, that can be touched. In the third trimester, the states have uh, much more power, you know, mm. to regulate the procedure because it's believed, uh, and the medical th- uh, part of the opinion basically supports this is that the, mm. the fetus is completely viable and in essence you would say, no, no doubt about it. As a human being, and so the great debate comes from those who philosophically believe, or whatever the word is, that from the moment of conception there is life. Then they're never going to agree with that first trimester analysis, right? And that's where the fights have been since then, right? Right over the, that's the time, right? Because this Mississippi yeah. law then it says a fifteen week, yeah, okay, and and fifteen weeks is in the first trimester, and uh, a, as the, the re- reproductive right opponents uh, of this kind of decision say in many instances, uh, that's too, that's too, too early, too late, whatever you want to put it, because mm-hmm. many times uh, women don't realize that they're actually pre- uh, pregnant. They could have missed periods in, in before because of right. the way their menstrual cycle worked and not realize that they were pregnant. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you, you know, you've given them no, uh, no time mm-hmm. to make a decision.
0: Now, there was a case. Is it Casey Planned Parenthood? Yeah. In so the Casey, 90s? V- yeah, the,
1: Casey yeah. versus Planned Parenthood is like 91 or 92. And it's a, it's an interesting case as well because it reaffirms Roe versus Wade. And it is written, uh, by, um, my goodness. It's written by Souter. And and Kennedy, and uh, uh, the Sarah from uh, uh, the lady from Oh uh, Arizona. O'Connor. Oh yeah, S- Sandra, S- Sandra, Day O'Connor. Sandra Day O'Connor. Sandra Day O'Connor. Yeah, which Sandra are All O'Connor. Republican appointees. Right, right. right. All all, all rep- uh, Republican uh, appointees. And so it isn't again, like I say, this evolution, if you want to call it, of Roe versus Wade to where we are today, has not been, you know, uh, these crazy left liberal. Uh, justices who have foisted uh, their ideas of life on us, it's its a mix. It's mm-hmm. a mix of people. And it's been there 50 years. Mm-hmm.
0: So some people thought, now, can you explain this to me? I'm trying to sort it out. But the Mississippi law, the, the Mississippi had this law knowing that it would be challenged, right? Well, sure. That, and then it would. So well, they, This is, obviously,
1: this is a political football. It had been yeah. a political football yeah, sure. for a long yeah, time. And yeah. so, uh, you know, we have one political party uh, that aden- identifies itself as pro-life. Uh, and, you know, to be able to be a viable candidate for, as a Republican, I just saw something, a debate between uh, John McCain and George W. Bush uh, at, in 2000, where these these questions would be asked, and uh, McCain is being criticized because he had made statements about how it would be a decision that his family would make and his daughter would mm-hmm. make, you know, et cetera. And George W. Bush is Basically saying uh, the party platform is pro-life, you know, et cetera. So you can see that it, it has become a political football.
0: Well, yeah, from the beginning. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. All right. More with Steve Beckett here, 944. Back in a moment here on Penny for Your Thoughts.
3: It's the second hour of a Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. You can join it on the phone via text or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397 or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357 or send an email to talk at WDWS.com. Now here again, Brian Barnhart. All right, welcome back. Hour number two
0: of A Penny for Your Thoughts. We had Attorney Steve Beckett with us in the first hour. If you missed any of that, we'll have the uh, podcast up here in just a little bit and appreciate his time today uh, being with us in that first hour. You can join us here on an open line in the second hour. Man, a lot to talk about. Uh, a lot of things happening. I mentioned Mother's Day weekend, Kentucky Derby, Little Mermaid at the Virginia, Kiwanis Jones, uh, Kiwanis Tom Jones Challenger League. You've got um, Earth, Wind, and Fire coming up. So uh, boy, lots of things happening, proms happening across uh, the area. I know Muhammad's having theirs this weekend. So uh, here we are into early May, um, Lioneye Baseball this weekend. They're playing a non-conference series against Miami of Ohio. Heard uh, Steve Kelly's promo earlier talking about the uh, NCAA Tennis Championships coming to uh, Champaign-Urbana. So uh, lots of things ahead here in the month of May. And, of course, the Illini baseball season heading down the stretch as well. Softball will be at the uh, Big Ten tournament coming up uh, next week as well. 217-356-9397. Text line is 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk, at com Our newscast at the uh, bottom of the last hour brought to you by First Mid Bank and Trust, or Newscast at the top of the hour is brought to you by Luther Falls Custom Kitchens. Granite and Quartz. Price is starting at just $35 per square foot installed. 2706 North Mattis Avenue Champaign. Visit online at lutherfalls.com. All right, some open line time. We'll throw some things in the mix here as we go. Spring Green now in their 37th year. Your local family owned and operated Spring Green. Been committed to beautifying your neighborhood. Through quality service and professionalism, spring air, they uh, spring green, they offer aeration, fertilizing, weed care, disease control, lawn insects control, seeding, tree and shrub care, house perimeter insect control, and more. If you're not completely satisfied with the results of a spring green application, they'll fix what's wrong or offer another application at no additional cost. They want to do it right, and they've been doing it right for a long, long time. If you need some... Work on your emerald ash borer and some tree injections. They can help with that. Spring Green, trusted to take care of many of the large sports fields in the area, including fields of St. Joseph Ogden, Catlin, Monticello, Mattoon, and more. Ten fifteen here at uh, News Talk 1400, uh, DWS. Uh, some leftover texts from the last hour, uh, one or two here. If you think historically, a listener says, there had to be a time that an abortion procedure was not in existence. I'm a pro-lifer. It's a baby from conception. So imagine back when this was not an option. Pregnancy was just accepted. Humans created the medical option for abortion so humans can stop this procedure. Just like lobotomies. And uh, Jen Saki, a uh, texter said, by the way, I think this is her last day on the job, I think. As a press secretary, or at least uh, she's in the final, the final days. Jen Psaki confirmed that President Biden supports abortion up to birth yesterday. Uh, we are being led by people with no morality. God have mercy on us. I heard some discussion about something the president said in regards to that. I don't know exactly what he said and what she was confirming, but I did look up a story I found a few years ago from, I think, 1982 when uh, Joe Biden was in the Senate and he actually voted for an amendment that some Republicans had been pushing to force, uh, it would be an amendment to um, send the, I think it was going to send the abortion decision back to the states. I have to look up the particulars on it. He actually voted with a lot of the Republicans back in 1982 to get that out of committee but he did have some reservations about it at the time but uh, i have to go by it's in the new york times it's a digital article i found from you know 40 years ago so it was kind of a interesting um interesting article Ten seventeen at at uh, dws here on an open line here on this friday we go to dan how you doing dan
5: hi, hi. um interested in uh, finding about something that they had several years ago. I don't know if you were here in uh, champagne when whenever this went on, but it was late at night. Uh, two republic or one republican, the other one democrat. Uh I see one of them was uh oh Now I'm blanking out on <laughs> whatever. They Anyway, they had uh, strong opinions, both Democrat. One would be Democrat and the other one would be Republican. Mm-hmm. And they would talk with each other. They had a subject that was on their mind. Mm-hmm. Both of them, were, they were able to uh, talk about what they wanted and uh, their opinions and... Uh, the big difference was the fact that there were no cut-downs, no snide remarks. They just talked about the subject that they were talking about. I wish that this would come back again so that people with opinions on both sides of the aisle would listen to both opinions about what was going on.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, I. that's... Uh... That's what we try to do here. I mean, it's uh, it's a forum for everybody's opinion, so we try to do that, but you're talking about the political candidates themselves or uh, members of different...
5: No, it was just... Uh, one of them was Kennedy, and the other one was uh, from Montana. Hmm. And, uh, no, they were just strong opinions about Republican or Democrat, mm-hmm. and they were just talking about how they what they feel about that subject and uh they didn't talk about really, really there was no politics at all they just said this is how they felt each other and uh i wonder if there's anybody else who remembered that at all yeah. but it, it was uh, late at night
0: mm-hmm. was it on tv or was it just in a in-person thing you saw
5: it was radio, and it was radio. Uh, DWS, I Oh, okay.
0: Okay. Interesting. We'll see if anybody else remembers that. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Uh, it was a new era in Washington in 1981. Abortion rights activists were terrified. With an anti-abortion president, Ronald Reagan, in power and Republicans controlling the Senate for the first time in decades, social conservatives pushed for a constitutional amendment to allow individual states to overturn Roe v.ersus Wade. The Supreme Court ruling that had made abortion legal nationwide several years earlier. The amendment, which the National Abortion Rights Action League called the, quote, most devastating attack yet on abortion rights, cleared a key hurdle in the Senate Judiciary Committee in March of 1982. Support came not only from Republicans, but from a 39-year-old second-term Democrat, Joseph Biden. Mr. Biden, a Roman Catholic, said, I'm probably a victim or a product, however you want to phrase it of my background said at the time, the decision, he said, was the single most difficult vote I've cast as a U.S. senator. The bill never made it to the full Senate, and when it came back up the following year, Mr. Biden voted against it. His back and forth over abortion would become a hallmark of his political career. Uh, Mr. Biden entered the Senate back in 1973 as a 30-year-old practicing Catholic who soon concluded that the Supreme Court, quote, went too far on abortion rights in the Roe case. He told an interview the following year a woman shouldn't have the sole right to say what should happen to her body. By the time he left the Vice President's mansion in early 2017, he was a 74-year-old who argued a far different view. The government doesn't have a right to tell other people that women they can't control their body as he put in 2012. Anyway, so that was the amendment I remember uh, reading about in the uh, in the past from 40 years ago. All right, 1021 at uh, DWS on a penny for your thoughts. Let me get a break in. Back with more here in just a moment as we continue here on this Friday. Twenty-four here on this Friday on this open line two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. We had Steve Beckett in the first hour. Uh, Steve may have an answer on that program. Hi, Steve.
2: Yes, uh, I remember listening to that program too. But uh, Senator from Wyoming, Republican Simpson, Senator Simpson. Yep. But I can't. I don't know if it was Kennedy the democrat or not but i know senator simpson from wyoming was the republic yes
0: that's I, it was it was ted kennedy and alan simpson you're right and
2: i remember listening to that yeah it was kind of a, it was Five a it,
0: yeah it was a little shorter segment yeah i remember now what he's talking about that's absolutely right right yeah
2: so anyway so i guess i'm old <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i'm right there with you because i remember it that was pretty cool
2: okay have a good weekend.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, Alan Simpson of Wyoming and um, Ted Kennedy. We had um when I was in school at uh, Liberty University, we had uh, they had Ted Kennedy come speak. And uh, it was pretty it was pretty interesting. He uh, he came and spoke. Uh, it was a huge assembly. I mean, we had an it was like a um um, I don't know what you call it, a convocation or a chapel service or whatever it was. And he came to speak and people were like, why is Ted Kennedy speaking? Well, it was pretty, it was, he was really good. I remember. It's kind of fascinating. All right. Uh, Mark's with us. Hey, Mark. Good morning. Uh, Twitter has banned, uh, the
2: president, the former president, uh, Trump over things where he, they claim that he's passing, um, false information. And yet I noticed in the Sunday paper with the resident anti-police columnist, he published a statement in which he said, Joshua Manning Carter watched as R.T. Finney shot Kewan Carrington one time in, a ch- in the chest when uh, Kewan Carrington was sitting on the ground. We know through the Illinois State Police, Illinois Department of, uh, or the uh, Federal Government's Department of Justice, the FBI, the uh, ballistics report from the autopsy, that that is a lie. That R.T. Fetty never discharged his weapon. He was carrying a different caliber weapon than the other officer was. And so my question is posed. When you have a columnist who deliberately lies, as he did, in a story over the weekend purporting it to be fact. Will the News Gazette and your company ban him until the facts are verified. I noticed two days later that Jim guy wrote a, a excuse me a story completely contradicting that falsehood. And this is not the first time he's just lied about stuff. And yet he continues to be allowed to uh, uh, vent his spleen and, and, and send out rants that are, are uh, simply wrong. And so, you know, if, if the president gets bounced off of Twitter for talking about Russian collusion or what have you, then certainly a columnist who should be writing about the facts, or at least their opinion, one can always write an opinion about which their favorite local grocery store is. That is not purported to be fact. But he wrote it as if it was a fact. And it was not a fact. It was a lie.
0: Yeah, well, Jim Dye and I talked about that quite a bit yesterday. I don't know if you heard all of that. but
2: uh, So I listened on the podcast. Yeah. But, but, again, this is the problem that we have, is that when he writes this, and he'll be back to more anti-police stuff, uh, that's his shtick. Um, you know, I did enjoy part of his thing about the centurion versus the warrior thing. But I, but I asked myself yesterday, if somebody was acting up in his class, what would he do? Would he be the warrior or would he be the centurion or would he just be the remph and call somebody else to handle it?
0: All right. Hey, thank I you, Mark. He'd pick the rimf. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, 1029 at uh, DWS. I was looking at some of the uh, states. Uh, Somebody said here on a text, I don't understand a woman can abort a baby up to 40 weeks in some states and this is legal, but if that same mother could be in a car accident and the baby dies and that could be murder by law, second degree murder or manslaughter. I don't know what the different states are. I've Googled. Uh like Arkansas, it says with row abortion available up to twenty weeks without row abortion ban pre seventy uh, three abortion ban in place California abortion available up to viability with row without row abortion protected by state law prior to viability There's a lot of those I don't know about specific weeks uh Georgia they say with row abortion available up to twenty weeks without row abortion banned. Existing law prohibiting abortion after six weeks of pregnancy not yet in effect. Uh, abortion available up to viability in Illinois with row, without row, abortion protected by state law prior to viability. Kansas unclear. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. So anyway, there's uh, if you Google abortion laws by state, you can kind of see the same thing I was just looking at there. Uh, Supreme Court just sending it back to the states However, maybe folks take sex and pregnancy more seriously with morality. It's not so easy to medically treat pregnancy, which for some is considered a possible bad side effect of sex like STDs, syphilis, and gonorrhea. Maybe it would help with lost morality in this country, a listener says. All right, 1030 at DWS. Uh, Precision painting, if you need some work done in your home, Angie's List, A-rated, recipient of the Super Service Award. If you've been thinking about this, and maybe you have been, maybe with all the colder weather you've been inside a little more and you've really noticed it, uh, they uh, can paint the interior of your home, whatever color you like. They can give you full-size sample sheets. Uh, They can paint in the kitchen. Take older, ugly, builder-grade cabinets, spray them out in a cabinet finish, and that can completely transform a kitchen. Precision painting. Quality calls for precision. Contact Chad Ebert at Precision Painting. Call or text to 217-637-6288 or go to the website dot why, whyprecision.com. And they're confident you'll be happy, guaranteed. All right, got some, uh, mom, Mother's Day things, uh, some advice that moms have passed along. So we'll get into that. I got some more millennial stuff I'll throw in and, uh, go back in the, uh, Sherman and Mr. Peabody Wayback Machine. We'll go back on a couple of anniversary dates on this day here, May 6. All right, back with more of the news this hour here on a penny for your thoughts. We'll do that and then we'll come back with more here after this. All right, we're on a penny for your thoughts here 10:34 at News Talk 1400. DWS, Mother's Day coming up this weekend, the Kentucky Derby. Um I don't think this is the exact date of Secretariat's win at the uh, Kentucky Derby, but um you know, Seattle Slough's in that mix, I think 45 years ago, uh, over the weekend on Saturday Seattle Slew won the 103rd Kentucky Derby. But uh, my favorite horse was Secretariat and here's what that sounded like when he won the Derby back in May of 73.
2: They're at the head of the stretch and Cham is the leader. He leads it by a length. Secretariat is in the center of the racetrack and driving. Jackie Green now drops back. Coming on a bit is Forgo, our native on the outside. Now and then the stretch. It's Secretariat. Secretariat on the outside to take the lead. Cham holding in second. It's Secretariat moving away. He has it by two and a half. Cham then on the outside, our native. The going to be Secretariat. He wins it by two lengths. Jam is second. Hard eight is third by an X. Borgo Four is fourth. Bestless Jet is fifth. And it looked like Navajo might have gotten up for six.
0: By the way, Seattle Slough uh, won uh that's a different race, of course. been seventy-seven, Seattle Slough won the 103rd Kentucky Derby. Went on to take the Preakness and the Belmont. But on this day, or, or tomorrow anyway, May 7th, 45 years ago, he won the Kentucky Derby, and then he died on the same day in 2002, 25 years to the day after he won the Derby. The other Wayback Machine event uh, was the explosion of the Hindenburg. And if you, if you watch the Waltons, they covered that <laughs> explosion on the TV show, uh, I think with John Boy there. But um, 85 years ago, 1937, the uh, German Zeppelin airship Hindenburg caught on fire, crashed as it was coming in for a landing in New Jersey. And a young uh, reporter, fairly young reporter, was there uh, from Chicago. And uh, you've probably heard this audio before, but here's what it sounded like when the Hindenburg was coming in and then exploded.
6: Starting to rain again. The rain had uh, cracked up a little bit.
5: They backed motors of the ship, are just holding it uh, just enough to keep it from.
6: It bursts into flames. Get this started! Get this it Charlie. It's rising, and it's rising, it's rising terrible. Oh my! Get out of the way, please. It's burning, bursting into flames, and and it's falling on the morning fast. and all the folks between that This is terrible. This is one of the worst catastrophes in the world. Oh, it's
2: it's it's
6: rising, twenty, oh, four or five hundred feet into the sky, It is... it. It's a terrific crash, ladies and gentlemen, the smoke and flames now, and the flames is crashing to the ground, not quite to the mooring mass. All oh, the humanity and all the fans are around here. I told you, I can't even talk to people around there. It's... it's, it's uh, oh. I, I can't talk, ladies and gentlemen. Honestly, just laying their massive smoking wreckage. <laughs>
0: Yeah, all of that, 30, uh, 1937, 85 years ago when that happened. And I've seen the video of this. I mean, they've got cl- video clips of it. 97 people on board, 36 died. I, when I saw the video, I thought, how did anybody survive that? Because it just went up in flames. On this day, 85 years ago, the Hindenburg. You can look it up. All right, Big Mike's Mattress Warehouse. If you need a mattress, give Big Mike a call, 217 217- 202-2821, to set up an appointment to see him about a mattress. He's been doing this a long time. He's now at 405 South Neal across from Fannie Mae Candies, the back parking lot of Do It Best hardware, if you're looking for it. Uh, yellow and red signs, you can see it. Uh, they've got Spring Air, Therapeutic, and Bemco. They've got the uh, quality names there in mattresses. They can get you great deals on queen sets or king sets. The best thing is, you know, there's there's no overhead, so he can give you a great price. And when you see the place, you'll understand what I'm saying. But uh, just call him directly, 217-202-2821. 217-202-2821 for Big Mike's Mattress Warehouse. That's Mike's direct number, and he'll get you set up and give you a great deal on a mattress. 1038 at DWS. Back in a moment. On a penny for your thoughts. Open line until 11. 10-41 on this uh, Friday as we head into the uh, weekend. We'll have some open line time on Monday. And I'm trying to think ahead into uh, next week. We've got some other uh, things percolating as well here next week. We'll tell you about on Monday. Had Steve Beckett on in the first hour. Got a text here. Mary Miller and Rodney Davis are successful at something. They've got me turning off the radio. Anytime I hear the commercials, that never seem to stop coming. (laughs) Just nauseating, our listener says. Well, there'll probably be—I don't know if those specific ones. How those specific ones will be running, but I know that uh, the primary is not till the end of June. So uh, hang in there. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Emailer says in the civil lawsuit against R. T. Finney, the eyewitness at the scene of Kiwan Carrington's death clearly said it was R. T. Finney who shot Kiwan. It is not a lie to quote what somebody said. Um, and uh, Jim Dye went into pretty good depth on this yesterday about how the, I think they couldn't get the young man, the eyewitness, to sit for a deposition. I think was part of the part of the issue that he had mentioned yesterday. So, anyway, ten forty-two. All right, uh, mom's advice here, Mother's Day, the best uh, twenty-five best pieces of advice a mom can give. Uh, just no particular order here, but make sure you always have your own money. Mom would say. Uh, don't take a bath when there's a thunderstorm. <laughs> always wear clean underwear. Yeah. Don't eat yellow snow. Yeah, that's probably good advice. Never ride a motorcycle. I don't know. There's a lot of people that do. Mind your manners and always talk with your head held high, mom would say. These are uh, what moms have said over the years. Men are all the same. They just have different faces. Be kind and love your sisters, for after your father and I are gone, you will need each other. Uh, Show me who your friends are, and that is who you are. That's interesting. Uh, This too shall pass. Marry the richest man you can stand. That's interesting. Uh, Soap is cheap. There's no excuse for being dirty. Be a credit to your community. Always put on some lipstick. It will always make you feel good. Money may not buy happiness, but it can sure make life easier and less stressful. Another uh, mom tidbit, mom advice. Uh, No matter who enters your life, never lose sight of who you are. Never miss an opportunity to learn a new skill. Always pick your own battles. Anything worth having is worth working for and do your duty even if there is no reward for it. Okay, those are interesting. 25 best pieces of advice a, man, a woman a mom can give that was from a few years ago. And let's see here. They've got a link up, a link to 25 other tidbits and that one doesn't come up. Okay. Uh, 217 is our number. We're at 1045. Patty's with us. Hi, Patty. Hi, how
2: are you, Brian? Good. Well, um, I have one. I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but it was a very good one that I took to heart and have always remembered. My mom said, never say anything or write anything down that you don't want repeated or read by the world.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, especially That's in this a really good one. It really is, especially in this day with emails and texts and everything.
1: That's for darn sure. Okay, thanks.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Patty. That's a good Bye. one. 217-356-9397. Text line is uh two one seven three five one five three five seven and you can email us talk at WDWS dot com. All right, and I've mentioned uh, some of the things that millennials don't do anymore or don't use or don't partake in. And these would be people born in the 80s and 90s. So if you're born in that time frame, you'll have to tell me if this is accurate or not. Napkins. When is the last time anyone ate at a millennial's home and there were napkins, let alone a dining room table? Napkins are going out of style in younger households. According to consumer studies, 15 years ago, 6 out of 10 households bought napkins. Today, only 4 in 10 have napkins on hand. This is because millennials are much more prone to rip their guests off a piece of paper towel rather than have dedicated napkins. In fact, napkins are not the only household item that is quickly disappearing. Okay? I don't know if that's true or not. You tell me. 1046, mayonnaise. Remember when mayonnaise used to be totally cool? Okay, neither do we, but bear with us. Somewhere along the line in condiment history, someone decided that mayonnaise was out of style. And the millennials have definitely taken note. Because of this, mayonnaise sales have been dropping for the last few years. Part of the anti-mayo feeling out there has to do with its health benefits or the lack thereof. The mixture of egg yolk, oil, lemon juice, and vinegar does not exactly lend itself to a healthy diet. Instead, millennials are replacing the condiment with more organic alternatives like avocados. Okay. Uh, irons, there was the once a time when leaving home without a crisp iron shirt on was a huge deal breaker. Those days are long gone as more and more millennials choosing not to keep the iron around in their homes. It's becoming increasingly popular for brands to advertise their no iron materials, promising the clothing will remain wrinkle free without the hassles of ironing. Meanwhile, fabrics that are usually require ironing are on the outs. And besides, there's no wrinkle that simply putting on an item of clothing in the dryer for a second won't fix. Okay. <laughs> 1048 at DWS. We have Lynn on the line with us. Hi, Lynn. Good
6: morning, Brian. Good, Good morning. To hear, hear you.
0: Yes, sir. You too.
6: Uh, uh, I just picked up a donut from Industrial Donut. Very, very creative place and uh, made me think about the creativity of the CU Ballet. Uh, our son, Andy, started designing sets for them back in '02, uh, uh, I think. Uh, first one was at Parkland and then they moved to Cranford, and now they've moved to the Virginia. But the creativity in those folks is just so amazing and what a pleasure.
0: Oh, wow. Well, I mean, that's great. So he was doing that back that far back, in 02.
6: Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. He and his wife, the little boy, had just moved from New York City after 9-11. Mm. And uh, his wife, Sonia, was a dancer and got involved with ballet right away. And horn Andy into designing sets.
0: Oh, wow. Well, that's great. And they are very creative. I mean, the sets are spectacular. I don't know how they do that, but...
6: Uh, well, a lot of that was was uh, fostered, nurtured by Mrs. Page at Unity Junior High.
0: That's right. Well, I had her as a, as my, one of my teachers.
6: Right. Yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, whole bunch of you folks. Uh, well, Diane and uh, you, and I don't know how many others have wound up in theater kinds of things.
0: Oh yeah, because yeah, because of her, for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
6: <laughs> well, you all had the flames. She just uh fostered the flames, I think.
0: <laughs> I think you're right. Well, thank you, Lynn. That's a good story. Thank you. you. I appreciate it. All yeah. right. See you, Brad. Thank you. See you all later, right. Lynn. Bye bye. Uh, uh landlines of course are on their way out. Even my parents got rid of their landline, so that's that's one that millennials don't use. In fact my daughters who are more, I think, Gen Z, I think. But are like you know, it's the first time they saw a um, wall, a phone on the wall. They were like, "What is that?" Uh, lottery tickets. Millennials are a generation facing some debt, rising housing prices. But for anyone who thinks these financial realities will make playing the lottery more enticing, think again. That generation is not willing to bet their money on the lottery. A Gallup survey found that while 61% of people ages 50 to 64 played the lottery, only about a third of people between the ages of 18 to 29 are doing the same. The generation simply scratching lottery cards off their list of must-dos. For anyone who wants to understand millennials, just try walking a mile in their shoes, and for anyone planning on doing so, just make sure not to slip on some high-heeled stilettos. Millennials are no longer head over heels for the high heel. Millennials would rather go for something more comfortable. For this reason, sneaker sales booming across the country. And more and more celebrities starting to advertise sneakers. Brands that have usually focused on heels now starting to offer more comfortable alternatives. And how about doorbells? Doorbells, remember them? Does the name ring a bell? For millennials, the idea of a doorbell is a thing of the past. The age group really does, just does not have doorbells anymore. And there are a few reasons for the doorbell's silent downfall. Many millennials are living in apartment buildings rather than standalone homes where doorbells are just not a fixture. But even if there was a doorbell option, millennials probably would not use it. They're more likely to send their friends or family members a text saying they've arrived at their home rather than ringing the bell. Yeah, that makes sense. 10.52 10.52 at to DWS. Take another break here and start to wrap it up for today. Here after this. just a couple minutes to go here before the uh, top of the hour. Gallo-Miller Paint and Collision Repair, one of our sponsors here on A Penny for Your Thoughts, 20-plus years in business. And uh, Dave and Bill can uh, tell you everything you'd like to hear. Of course, they help with the insurance. You can give them a call and get an estimate, 217-353-0770. You can do that. Uh, They're conveniently located on the south side of I-74 between the Neal and Prospect Exits. And they know that it is a hassle to have your car repaired. And uh, nobody wants to deal with that. I mean, look, the insurance, the what am I going to do for a vehicle now? How am I going to get my kids to school? You know How am I going to pick up my grandkids? Whatever it is, I mean, it's not, it's not convenient. But uh, they helped kind of take the sting out of all this. And uh, they know the collision repair business inside and out. They're hands-on. They're in the shop. South side of I-74 between the Neal and Prospect exits. Millennials, the texture said, probably never had a hotmail account or used dial-up internet. I'm trying to think, if you were born in the 80s, I'm trying to think when it, when the dial-ups were still around. Yeah, hmm. Yeah, maybe. And texture says, I disagree with doorbells. Video doorbells are what millennials use. Yeah, you've got those new ring ones, right? That you can see the who's standing at the at the door i found this one interesting millennials are cleaning their grocery lists of soap bars the once popular hygiene product becoming less and less common to see in the showers of millennials across the country but why are so many calling soap bars a wash according to market watch sixty percent of millennials feel that bars of soap are crawling with germs they'd rather use body wash to clean themselves and while 60% of Americans over age 65 said they would wash their face with bar soap, only a third of millennials said the same. Strangely enough, while the bars of soap are out, a viral trend of soap cutting is totally in. If you can't use it, cut it, we guess. <laughs> and I never, never thought about this one. Even... Ever bring some wine to a picnic or another relaxing outing and realize that someone forgot the most important thing a wine cork? Well, apparently, the millennials have experienced this issue and know it all too well. Because of this, millennials are traditionally, or I'm sorry, millennials are overwhelmingly choosing to go with screw off wine tops rather than the traditional cork bottles. Millennials as consumers focused on having wine that is friendlier for bringing to friends' homes or other gatherings, and judging by their buying habits, Wines with corks do not fit that bill. Instead, millennials are so much on the go, they need their wine bottles to match. That's interesting. All right, uh, 10.58, out of time here. We've got uh, CBS News coming up here at the uh, top of the hour. And again, we've got uh, Mother's Day coming up this weekend. We've got all of the activities on the radio, baseball. We've got, uh, what, the Little Mermaid, as Lynn mentioned. You've got... Just a lot of things cranking up here, and we're heading for graduation, prom, all sorts of things. Stay safe out there. The weather is going to be nice and warm here. Well, very warm. It's going to be hot (laughs) in next week. We're going to jump right from early spring into summer. Hope you have a great weekend. We're back with you Monday here on A Penny for Your Thoughts, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana.